Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Work 2023. We are so excited to have a repeat guest in Meg Bear, President and Chief Product Officer of SAP Success Factors. Welcome, Meg. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. We're thrilled to have you join us again. I have to tell you that your prior episode of The Work was one of our most listened to, and uh, that's always very exciting for, you know, um, uh, podcasters such as John and myself just getting started in this medium. And John, welcome. It's 2023. We haven't, uh, we haven't gotten to chat yet in the new year. Yeah, happy, happy New Year. And uh, I think we should just have Meg on all the time. I think um, so, too. Yes, I like this idea. <laughs> well, and so why don't we start out uh, with some, you know, we see this flurry of predictions on LinkedIn. Why don't we start out with our own predictions for 2023? Meg, I'd love to, you know, as a, in a leadership role, I'd love to hear what you're telling the troops. What, what kind of thoughts do you have on what the year ahead looks like? Yeah. So thank you for asking because, um, you know, I, I was asked a lot about predictions at the end of the year. And at the end of the year, you've got a lot of chaos in your head and you're finishing things up. And now it's the beginning of the year. And I've, uh, as I said uh, before we got started, I, I spent a fair amount of time over the break doing almost as close to nothing as possible. And I cleared a lot of the, the stuff out of my head. And I would say that as I look at 2023, you know, w- right now we're in this moment in tech where we're seeing another uh, big round of layoffs that kind of uh, started at the end of the year and are. Um, continuing in this year. And when we think about the broader context, you know, how we look at things at success factors on this topic of people sustainability, I find that this is actually a really good moment to, to kind of focus on where the opportunities are. And the opportunities are all about resilience, adaptability. They're all around being open to new experiences, new ideas, and um, and making sure that you can take information in and adjust how you respond to it. And I think that applies to us as individuals, but it also applies to teams, and it certainly applies to business today. So I'm thinking of it in a um, an opportunities mindset, but definitely one that will be facilitated by a lot of unexpected and uh, change uh, predict capabilities and things that are happening to us, both at the macro level and uh, probably within organizations as well as they adapt. John, how about you? Do you have any predictions for 2023? I think I think this is going to be the year that nobody could have predicted. Um, I thought that, we already lived through those years, didn't we? Recently? Oh no, nothing, <laughs> nothing like this one's going to be. We, those, those were prep. Those were prep, oh, but wow. we're, we are living in a time of exponential change. And each year is 10 times more um, ambiguous than the year that preceded it. And the, and the outcomes are going to be not what we thought, not what we thought going into it. And one of the things that's clear to me is, is all of the fuss about layoffs. If you add up all the numbers, about 1% of people who work in the tech exactly. industry have gotten laid off. So it's a nonsense thing. It's, it's because there's no more end of the world 
that's going to be caused by the election. We've moved on to the end of the world that's going to be caused by tech layoffs. And neither of those things will be true. And this is one more moment in which the old school media is going to erode its credibility because selling fear about layoffs does sell advertising. Um, but you can eventually scare people to the point that they don't pay any attention anymore. And, and in the real world, the tech industry is a fraction of it's, it's, it's been big in people's portfolios, but it's a fraction of the work that people do. And, um, the fraction of the people who've been laid off, who are a fraction of the work that people do are not relevant to an economy that can't find enough workers. And so we're going to have this twisty thing where the media is going, look, there's a boogeyman in the closet and, and the boogeyman is you won't have a job. And everybody else is going, but I'm getting all these messages from recruiters all day <laughs> and I can't find people to work in my company. How can both of these things be true? Um, and uh, I think that's going to create a moment where um, the only choice is to learn how to think a little bit more independently. And um, I think that's going to be good for all of us, but it's not going to be pleasant. Oh, but I think that's a skill that's been lost. I think I think uh, critical thinking skills have have eroded uh, significantly in recent years. And part of that has it can be attributed to technology because things are now fed to us as opposed to us going to look for them. And I think generationally speaking, I see it in younger generations that is sometimes this idea that Oh my goodness, there you're asking me to pull together six different variables that are different levels of maturity and you want me to to come up with a strategy from that. I'll go to Google. <laughs> you know, like like I'm just used to doing it that way. So I I think we have some really interesting challenges ahead. I'd love Meg's reaction to your commentary about the media. Uh I'm I'm, you know, I'm in that business, so I'm jaded. So <laughs> I'm going to stay out of the. I, I do have a dog in that fight, so I'll I'll stay out of that. But I'd love Meg's feedback on you know are are we being played here? Well, yeah, I think there's so much depth in what uh, John said. The first is I I feel like we should uh, really coin a new Moore's law that has to do with the sort of pace of change coming at us. So, uh, John, I'll give you that task to figure out if we want to call that John's law, um, because I do see that acceleration. But as it relates to media and critical thinking, I think the, the piece to remember is, you know, follow the money, right? Um, the, the way that, um, that, organizations in media sustain is through clicks and through uh, attention span. That has always been true, but it's become much more true in, um, in the context of the way media is structured today and the disruption that's happened there. And so I think your point, Jean, about like critical thinking is so so important. And as we as we drive clarity to what the skills of the future require, it's going to be less about, you know, the specificity of information and much more about 
the questioning, challenging, and um, and navigating information, not just signal to noise anymore, but also context and meaning to create, um, hopefully, something that does not just accelerate and amplify the worst of us, right? So that's, I mean, I think that's yeah. the kind of core essence of what we want. We don't want to become just uh, propaganda um, consumers. We want to be critical thinkers. And I, I believe that there is opportunity, but there's also risk. And I, I really do feel, you know, obviously I'm raising young adults right now, and I'm uh, deeply thinking about this every day that, um, you know, what does the future hold in the evolution of how we think, what we do. And I, I think this entire conversation um, about generative AI is exactly around that. Where, where does our responsibility as individuals uh, emerge in this world of information is easy and readily available and synthesis of information is easy and readily available? What is our, what is our role in that as a human, as a a business as a uh, organization. What a great segue into something that John and I have been very eager to discuss with you, and that is what's going on with Chat GPT. Uh, and and gosh, I'm I'm seeing they're they're getting offered twenty nine billion. I mean, <laughs> like like John, I know you are just watching this space so closely. Uh, kick us off with a discussion about it. Well, so, so I think that we're at one of those moments, and it's going to be a fast one this time. This is a moment like the um, opening of the internet or the introduction of the iPhone, um, where things change. Only, you know, what's been happening in those changed things, this is back to Meg's comment, is the time from introduction to complete adoption has been shrinking logarithmically over time. And so this is going to be a fast one. And um, what we're seeing with chat GPT today is GPT-3. And with each new successive version of GPT, it gets an order of magnitude better. And the next one is due out in the spring. So chat GPT-4 will be 10 times better than this. Chat GPT-5 will be 100 times better than this. Chat GPT-6 will be 1,000 times better than this. And chat GPT-7 will be 10,000 times better than this. And we'll see chat GPT-7 uh, 18 months from now. Right. And so, so what you're going to see is... Um, there's a weird thing about these large language models, which is the training set is everything on the internet. And as they go into full production and people start using them, they'll start producing the data that becomes the training set, right? So there's this big recursive loop that happens that means content marketing is going to fail dramatically in the next 18 months. Um, the ability of teachers to understand the responses that they get from their students in writing is going to fail in the next 18 months. There's going to be a whole great shift um, um, that's presaged by this thing, which seems primitive today. You have to actually work to, I find chat GPT to be like a sponge. You have to know how to bring it out to get all of the right answers but you can get astonishing things out of it if you are patient with it. 
you won't need to be so patient 18 months from now. It'll just do it. And the difference is generative AI can give you an aggregate view of stuff, and that's actually super useful, but everything that matters is specific. Everything that matters is in context. And so what's not being looked at and talked about now is how you marry context-specific data to the generative tool so that you can get precision output down the road. Um, and that suggests that you know, by chat GPT-5, every CEO of every HR tech company that I've talked to in the last two weeks, and all I've been doing is talking to people about this, has a pet project in the back room for how they're going to integrate chat GPT into their tool. Nobody is not going to do this. When you get to HR tech next year, it's all going to be conversational interfaces with everything. Um, and the problem is you can't control the output, right? And so um, um, I asked um, ChatGPT, what do I do about the fact that my boss is drinking too much, um, which is the kind of thing that's going to get asked? Or how do I get my boss to sleep with me was another question that I, that I asked. <laughs> it. Um, and These are interesting questions, John. <laughs> I well, think we just you know, got a real put, insight were, into John's brain. Right. They, they weren't the questions I asked, uh, but well, okay. But I, also, I also asked it a whole bunch of skill-based stuff. I, I did the, the, the sort of normal thing, but I tried to imagine what happens if you put a tool that you can ask anything of in the workplace. What's it going to get asked? And then what do you do with the answers? Right. Right? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to say, oh, you know what? Everywhere else, they can wear shorts in the office. Um, and, and if you don't allow shorts in the office, in your office, you're going to have to have some mechanism for responding to the fact that the GPT-3 that some HR tech vendor has embedded in their thing is telling your people that they can wear shorts. Um, and so that's a whole class of businesses that we haven't seen yet who are um, about building a prompt set that is the only set of prompts that the tool will be allowed to respond to inside of our organization. And that's, that. I love Randy Womack over at, over at Socrates. That's the kind of work that Randy's been doing for years now, figuring out what all of the questions are. Um, and um, you're going to have to have that kind of gateway. What are all the questions? So is um, this the new employment handbook? It is. is that yeah yeah, yeah. But it's it sort of like but Meg, Netflix yeah. it's like the Netflix handbook that went uh viral that now everybody is sort of obligated to benchmark against more you know more specifically I think that's the I like to think of it a little bit like um you know it, it it's not like you're completely crazy uncle at uh at Thanksgiving but it is kind of in the sense that it's the <laughs> It's the person that's super confident, a bit of a know-it-all, but may not be right. <laughs> well, exactly. Right? And very exactly. clear, right? Yeah. Like a very convincingly clear and overconfident about like, here is the answer to your question X, but without, back to your critical thinking point, without um, a, a little bit of, um, you know, cynicism or skepticism of mm -hmm. the result. You're going to get the larger percentage of the population just 
taking it at face value. And it's easy to see where it's wrong today sometimes. And it's funny, right? Like you ask it about people and it's almost always wildly wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, but, but when you ask it about ideas or concepts, it's again, comes back with a lot of um, perceived confidence in that synthesis. And, um, and so I think that's an opportunity, but it's also, you know, a little bit of a, of a challenge is how do you, how do you, uh, take that apart and understand where it came from. It's dangerous in my humble opinion. And John, you mentioned content marketing. Uh, I, you know, it does, it does present with a certain degree of authority. You know, the three of us are cynics on this call. So we know to be skeptical and to filter but a lot of people won't. Uh, you know, a, a similar parallel is what I call Dr. Google, where people are convinced that, you know, their symptoms are leading to some tragic end. Um, yeah. I mean, where where does all this wind up and how, John, you're, you're talking about something going very quickly. Do we do we throttle back? Will there be vendors who create some barriers in this process? I don't know what the barriers would be. I, 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 and, 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 You're excited um, about this, aren't you? <laughs> well, I just, I've watched, I've watched, you know, I had, I had an email account in 1979, and I've watched that go from a, an elite way to communicate with a few people to something that I can't bear to look at today. Um, um, and that happened faster than lots of things that came before it. And the next thing happened faster and the next thing happened faster and the next thing happened faster. And, and so it's not a surprise that things are going to happen faster. Um, things are just happening faster. That's the nature of the exponential change curve that we've been on for a hundred years. Um, it's just getting faster and faster and faster. Um, um, so I'm not, I'm not, Pro, I see some risk, but I also think that um, there's great benefit, and the great benefit is um, um, sturdier than, you know, I'm hearing a lot of the, well, people aren't going to have to think anymore. And this is the same argument that when we got calculators, they were going to have to do math. And when we got keyboards, they were going to have to do cursive, right? We're going to drop all of these archaic um, methods of communication and move to the next generations of communication like we've been doing for thousands of years. Uh, this is not a new transition. I think Meg wants to jump yeah, in on this sorry. one. <laughs> I, I, I'm also fascinated. So, um, when my youngest daughter was, I don't know, really young, like five, um, and and you you sort of see all the connections happening in their brains and all the wiring and stuff, and it's super, super fascinating. One of the things I observed with her, because of course my kids were digital natives from the beginning, is that her mental model was so anchored in search. She didn't trouble herself with filing anything. She didn't trouble herself with remembering where anything was. It was always, I could search for anything and find it. So I don't need to know where I put it. And for me, what was really fascinating is, of course, I started um, at a much different time with technology. And so my life was all about folders and 
organizations and taxonomies color coded to try to figure out where things were going to be. And so I realized that there was a, there was actually sort of like a core evolutionary element here that she would never trouble herself with building her own taxonomies the same way I did to start a thought process. I feel like this, this chat GPT has that exact same element, right? Anybody that grew up thinking that you didn't have to store information in the same way because you always could search for it. Google would always tell you the answer to any trivia question, et cetera. You didn't, you didn't spend all your time, um, you know, making that something you focused on. Instead, you focused on how would you search for things? What would the the pointers that you would store to get there? I think chat GPT has exactly that same sort of evolutionary element to it, where our entire way that we not just work, but the way that we understand and interact with information has a, a, a ch- opportunity to shift. And, and, and that I think is super fascinating and interesting. And I'm um, I'm totally here for it, but I agree. Like it's going to create great opportunities and new problems we never uh, anticipated. And I, I think this is a moment to keep your head up, right? To be paying attention to all of those pieces. So very also, much at a crossroads. <laughs> it's also an interesting time to wait, right? Because, because you know, one of the things I see people leaping at chat GPT and um, if you built your entire business around the first iPhone, you wouldn't be in business today. You had to you had to learn how to move with the evolution, um, and you can't learn how to move with the evolution on v- version 1.0. You have to wait to see version 2.0 before you can understand how to evolve. And while it's important to have the labs running and investigating, um, um, it's perilous to launch products immediately based on the primitive technology, assuming that you're going to be able to ride with the ideation that comes with the primitive technology. Yeah, we've all seen that before. We've definitely all seen that before. And had to live with the outcome and consequence of that before. Some of us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm so sorry to say that we're almost at time. Um, we, You know, this is a conversation that we're going to need to revisit, I would say, at least quarterly, uh, if, if schedules permit, because this is going to be very dynamic. Um, Meg, can we ask you to please help our listeners understand how they can tap into your brain trust and your fabulous team uh, by giving us contact information and where they can follow you? Yeah, so Meg Bear, um, Meg Bear on Twitter, on LinkedIn, et cetera. And of course, SAP Success Factors is uh, my day job. I would also recommend like just really to John's point, if I will, I will to put a summary on it. It's a great time to experiment and you should be experimenting. It's a great time to be thinking about possibilities because there, the number and types of possibilities are going to be growing. And so keeping your head up, watching what's going on and being curious. Today is the best moment in the world to be wildly curious and to see where we go. So that's that's all the uh, summaries about Meg. 
I, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being our guest on The Work Podcast and kicking us off for what we hope will be a spectacular new year, albeit one that John is watching carefully. So <laughs> thanks, Meg. It's great. Thank to see you, Meg. Oh, great to see, to see you guys. You.